And it is Bronze and Modern Gods. I am John. How's everybody doing? Hey, that's Richard. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. What did you think about the big game yesterday? There was a big game yesterday? Sports ball, people. <laughs> I mean, I'm being facetious. Richard and I have zero interest in the Super Bowl. Zero. But, yeah, but I love the kitten bowl and the puppy bowl. So I thought that that's was cute. Hey, we got so much going on like every other week. I'm glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. Like us uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a like and subscribe here on YouTube if you're watching that on your podcast platform. We saw your reviews. We appreciate them. We got a really nice one this week. Thank you very much. And today we've got a hot book of the week. We've got some viewer mail. We've got underrated books of the week. 25 year rule. You know how we do. And our overall topic today are our 2021 collecting goals what are we into uh you guys have asked us several times what we collect personally so you know hopefully we won't bore you too much (laughs) (laughs) if if you do get bored let us know we'll never do this again but we're going to tell you what we're looking for in 2021 but first up our hot book of the week it's a repeat it's a rerun it's war of the realms new agents of atlas number one richard yeah, it's it, it's you know we had a couple surprise uh, surprises that were handed down to us this week. Uh, one of them was the announcement of uh, a show based on Wakanda, and that's coming to uh, Disney Plus. But the other one was Kevin Feige was asked, and he's been asked this question before. Uh, he he was asked about when's the when are we going to see a Southeast Asian superhero, and his response is we will see one soon that immediately brought up interest in Southeast Asian characters of which the biggest number of uh, new uh, characters announced was in uh, war of the realms, new agents of Atlas number one. Yeah. You've got uh, the introduction of wave arrow white Fox and a whole lot more. And on top of that, there's been some rumors swirling around about a Jimmy Woo spinoff from WandaVision. And you guys have heard Richard and I talk about this book for months now. It's been a long-term spec for both of us. I think it's exciting. Um, I think it's finally picking up a little steam. The 90 day GPA on the 9.8s of this has been $92, but we're seeing recent sales this week up to $133. So there is some movement. And if you are a completist, Boy, you're screwed (laughs) because if you count all the printings this book has had, there are 13 different variant covers, Richard. Yeah, you know, you know, it's all in perspective. I mean, how many variant covers do we have of of the the last Ronin or Spider-Man 800 or, you know, it's it's it is definitely uh, (laughs) don't excuse it, don't excuse it, (laughs) but it is a lot. And 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 some of the variants are, are really good. For example, uh, there is a second print virgin variant that uh, Frankie's Comics uh, put out, and it is gorgeous. It's got silk on the cover. She's poised between two buildings. It's an excellent book. If you uh, have an opportunity to pick that up, definitely pick that one up. I think that one is very, very hot because it's got silk. You know That, that ties into the Spider-Verse. And then there is also a third print that's of limited quality, the quantity, and hard to find. And there is a Michael uh, Myko Suyan a variant that was originally only available in the Philippines, if I remember correctly. Oh, interesting. Um, there are several different v- versions of the artwork for this cover. Be careful. There is a uh, another second print that has the character highlighted in the background in black and white that is not the same as the 
uh, full color version that was available in limited quantities. So that's that's really the hot one of of this particular cover. But you know, I, I think getting in at any level for this book is going to be a wise investment long term. Yeah, I do think um, it's not a very scarce book. I do think it was the first issue was ordered fairly heavily, and you've seen the second and third printings. I still see it around some LCSs for $10, $15. I don't know if that's going to be the case uh, starting today when you go into <laughs> your shop, but give it a shot. You'll see. Maybe you'll get lucky. And there's but spinoffs of this as well. Arrow has her own book. Uh, I picked up a number of Swordmaster number ones for a dollar a piece in uh, a long back box at my LCS. So be on the lookout for those other single title books because I think those are also going to be good specs. And more importantly, it's a great read. Greg Pak is incredibly talented as a writer. Jimmy Woo has always been a cool character. Agents of Atlas has always been a cool concept. You know, I've been beating the drum for uh, Agents of Atlas for a long time, all the way back from the uh, Namora Gorilla Man days. Uh, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's because. Yeah, I think it's because of What If Number Nine back in the Bronze Age, the '50s Avengers, mm -hmm. uh, with Robot Man, the Gorilla Man, Venus. I always loved that book when I was a kid. That great Jack Kirby cover in the story, and that's the original Agents of Atlas, really, uh, with of course Marvel Boy, aka my boy Quasar, the Quantum Bands. So uh, you know, we're not patting ourselves on the back too much for this, but we're patting ourselves. Yeah, it's it's nice to see a spec even at this level that can, you know come come to fruition, and uh, this is a long term pick. I don't want anybody to think they're going to buy one of these books today and realize a big profit tomorrow. But you know, it's it's easier to pick up the book at twenty bucks a copy than it is to pick it up at a hundred. And we will touch back on Agents of Atlas later on this episode in our underrated books of the week. So stick around for that. But right now it's time for viewer mail. You've got mail. <laughs> All right. Our first uh, viewer mail submission is from Mr. Joshua on YouTube, who says, hey, bud. Yo, what up, bud? Uh, wasn't sure where to put the question, but do you have any tips on how to press a comic with an insert? Like Wildcats number one, for instance. Whoa, that's taken back. There is a pretty significant insert, and I don't want to try unless I have an idea of how to do it. Thanks in advance. Yes, I do. There are several different types of inserts. There is the Amazing Spider-Man 238 Tattoos insert. Yeah. There are several modern books that have a centerfold insert, like Miss Marvel number one from 2016, has a centerfold insert that's shorter in width than the rest of the book. If you don't protect the book from this insert, you're going to end up with an indentation. The best way to do this, 100-pound cardstock on both sides of the insert. If this insert is a centerfold, make sure you put four pieces of 100-pound cardstock on each side of the insert. It's going to make the book really thick. So what's going to happen now? You're going to reduce the pressure. Don't put a lot of pressure on these modern books with inserts. All you have to do really is close the lid. Don't push down on it. Don't clamp it. You're going to get the same benefit. Your book's going to be chef's kiss if you use some 100-pound cardstock inserts. So there you go. Thank you for the note. Uh, Richard? The next one is from They Call Me Bruce 3. I think one other thing that needs to be mentioned is having a good relationship with your LCS. Oh, you must be talking about getting variants that you want. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. I've gotten back into collecting uh, a few years ago and have become a good customer for my LCS. And more over than not, 
I'll get racial variants of my titles on my pull list for cover price. Nice. For, for example, I collected Ghost Spider and got the Peach Momoko cover. Wow. Okay. I think that's a great point. We've talked about that, actually, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it, think about it. The, your, your LCS is the point of contact with the, with the publishers unless you, you're buying online. So establishing a good relationship with them, uh, you'll, you'll find out, as John has, you get offered up things like, you know, the store exclusives and the, you know, one per stores and, and things like that because you're a good customer and you've got a good relationship with that, with that LCS and they know that you'll come back and spend more money. So definitely it's worth the effort. I'm not going to lie. It helps to throw a lot of cash around. So, you know, that is a factor. But I will say loyalty is a big factor as well. I've been going to my same LCS for 15 plus years here in Southern California. And, you know, I got a last Ronin one per store variant. I got the Miles Morales 18 birthday variant. You know, they hook me up because they know what I like and uh it pays off so great point thank you guys for thank you for all the comments that we get if you have more uh more questions more uh criticisms we can take them we're big boys leave us a comment where you see it uh, or shoot us a dm on instagram right up there what do you say we move on to our main topic our 2021 comic book collecting goals what are we on the hunt for what are we searching for what do we want personally. And I think you're going to be surprised at some of the things that we personally collect and are looking for. Uh, we'll go back and forth. Uh, and Richard, I'll let you start because your first pick is my pick as well. So you and I are going to <laughs> Yeah, my first pick is, uh, I've mentioned this before, Love and Rockets number one. Uh, I'm looking for a high grade 9.8 candidate. And I say 9.8 candidate because at this time, there is only one copy, one 9.8 on the census. Let's be clear. We're looking for two different Love and Rockets number ones. You're yes. looking for the first print of the Fanographics Love and Rockets, right? Correct. Correct. I'm looking for the self-published Hernandez Brothers black and white version. Now, don't get me wrong. I won't turn down the black and white version. But to me, the, um, the run really started with the Fanographics series. That's what I started to collect. And I bought the, the run from issue number one. My issue one number one is definitely not a 9.8. I went from issue one number one all the way through the end of the series and into the second series. So I want to recapture those books. I get, again, a lot of uh, collecting is nostalgia. For sure. So I, I definitely want that high-grade book so I could put it up on my wall. And it's tough. You know, that black cover for that issue is impossible to find in high grade and there are multiple prints and that's something else you have to be careful careful of the prints are different only in the price tag uh the price on the on the cover the the first print is 295 for example so that's what you want to look out for if you're looking for a first print but yeah it's a tough book and i hope uh i tell everyone everyone where i where i go buy books uh, i'm looking for that book putting out those feelers and hopefully something is going to show up it's a tough one because the black cover, the fact that there aren't a lot of copies out there because the Hernandez brothers were not Los Bros Hernandez when they started. It took a while to catch on. And, you know, people that have them, they're not giving them up. They don't want to give up their love and rockets. Such an iconic cover. How many times has this cover been swiped? or we've seen homages. It's it's amazing, and it is a touchstone in comic book history. I mean, it's right up there with the biggest 100 books of all time in comic books, in my opinion. 
absolutely, I totally agree. I, to to me, the the Brothers Hernandez changed independent comics, and um, I it's just a part of what what I want. Something I want to be a part of my permanent collection. I'm with you on that one. Okay, so all you guys that tuned out during the independent talk, come on back. <laughs> we got a Marvel book up next. Actually, I've got two Marvel books on my list. Tales of Suspense 58 and 59. Now, Cap is my man. I know I don't talk about him enough on this show. If you listen to the show, cursory listens, you think I'm really all about Hercules and Quasar. I am. But Captain America is my all-time favorite hero ever since I was five years old. And Tales of Suspense 58 and 59 are the next keys I need. Uh, 58 is the first appearance of Cap in Tales of Suspense where he fights Iron Man or the chameleon and Craven disguised as Iron Man. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a crazy story. But 59 is where Cap started his first solo series of the Silver Age in Tales of Suspense. So... I not only want these books, I want them in high grade. I'm willing to shell out. They just aren't out there. People, another another couple of books that people just aren't willing to give up if it's high grade because it's tough. You know, it's, this run was not saved and savored like Avengers or even Cap's uh, solo titles that started with 100. Yeah, definitely. John has, John has been keeping us up to date on his wish list. So uh, this is definitely a book I look for whenever I, uh, I'm out and about or, or uh, see opportunities. So Yeah, you had to listen to me cry and moan when I missed one on a live sale recently. I was like, wah, 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 how come nobody told me? <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I'm surprised there was a book that uh, you were looking for, uh, Yellow... Uh, Yellow Claw number one. I'm surprised it didn't make your list. Yeah, I, I have a lot, but I wanted to do my top five. I, I really want Yellow Claw one through four because, again, my man Jimmy Woo, the first appearance of Jimmy Woo is actually back in the Atlas age of Marvel in the 50s in Yellow Claw number one through four, a book that unfortunately has not aged very well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But history is history, uh, and Jimmy Woo was the lead hero and, and, a, and a heroic character in this book, uh, you know, an Asian character that was the star of a book. I think the only other book that starred an Asian char character back then was The Adventures of Charlie Chan, which, again, going back to being problematic. So Yellow Claw 1 through 4, you know, if we're going to get into that, I want Marvel Boy 1 and 2 as well. <laughs> sure, definitely. But what's your next one? Uh, my next one is uh, I have uh, – a real interest in collecting the top five Fantastic Four. Mm. Uh, I have issue number four, which is the first appearance of Namor, so the Submariner in Silver Age. I have issue number five, which is the first appearance of Doctor Doom. Um, I want to get. I'm looking for number two, which is the first appearance of the Skrulls. Mm -hmm. um, and I am surprised we haven't seen more action in terms of the value of that book, given. It it's going to happen with Secret Invasion coming. You better hurry. Right. That's it. That's exactly it. I, I need to prioritize that so that I get it before uh, Secret Invasion really hits in, in, in uh, full force. And number three is the first appearance of uh, their, them in costume. Mm -hmm. um, so thus, that's two and three, which are my next two picks. Um, so I like to get that first appearance. I'm not looking for high grade for these books because of the price. I have uh, 4.0. Uh, number four and a 3.5 number five so four four oh for both of those i'll be happy with but even then they're still two thousand plus dollar books yeah. for both of them now what about number one is it way out of your reach 
Number one is definitely not something that I am prioritizing this year just because this is so darn expensive. You remember but, 10 years ago, the book was dead. Do you remember I, that? Oh. It's, it's amazing how the value of these, these, these hyper keys are just unbelievable nowadays. So now what I was thinking about in terms of compromising, and this is something that I've recommended in the past, is Fantastic Four number one, the golden record reprint. Yeah, uh, that book looks exactly like the original, except it doesn't have the price tag, uh, the the price indicated on the cover. It has the same kind of patina. I mean, it's the uh, the original book came out in '62. This book came out in '66, but it's got the same kind of patina. But the value of this book is a fraction. I've been looking at a 9.6 uh, lovingly for the past few weeks that I found. That's about eleven hundred dollars. Which to me, for a book from 1966, is fascinating. It's crazy, that, yeah. That you can get a 9.6 at that price, but that's 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 kind of where I want to cap off this this the set. So I have the reprint of one, and then the the, the uh, first prints of two, three, and four, and five. Now, if you get the Golden Records reprint in a slab, all you have to do is take a scan of the 10 cent price uh, bug <laughs> and just boop, <laughs> right on there. <laughs> so rub it right in. Yeah, I could do yeah. that. You just put it right on the case. You don't have to crack it open. Just tell everybody, look. Uh, okay, well, that's those are ambitious goals. Uh, good for you. Mine is uh, my my next one is kind of crazy. Flaming Carrot number one in a nine point eight. I love this book when it came out in the eighties. I was actually on board fairly early with Flaming Carrot. This is so you. It is. <laughs> I'm going to put up on the screen now. There's a picture of me at the age of 18 in 1987 wearing a flaming carrot T-shirt with my family. And they were like, what is that shirt? I don't know. Yeah, I remember that picture. <laughs> and I love my hair, by the way. Uh, and flaming carrot number one, Bob Burden. It was just this weird, surreal, comedic, David Lynch-esque take on superheroes. That's the only way I can think of to describe it. There's no origin. Oh, there is an origin story. He read 5,000 comic books in one sitting and it warped his brain and he put on a carrot mask and flippers and became the flaming carrot. <laughs> That's the origin story. Oh, independents are awesome. I love it. And book, again, a black, black border cover, very tough in 9.8. There was a set of the entire run of flaming carrot one through 36 i think on ebay last week all high grade i went in there and i lost it the last second i gotta i gotta improve my sniping game so i'm still on the hunt for a flaming carrot number one 9.8 ah that is awesome i i remember a flaming, flaming carrot from back in the day uh it, it was a unique comic <laughs> what's next for you uh, next for me is, uh, again, going to my, my youth, uh, I am a big X-Men fan and, um, I, one of the first runs that I finished, uh, was the run from 94, which is the first appearance of the new team through 300. And that was the main, my main focus. So, uh, I did it, but there are certain key books in that range that just are substandard for me. Mm. Uh, one in particular is my X-Men 101, which is the first appearance of the Phoenix. Uh, I love this cover. The blues are so standout and, and so vibrant. And it's just such an, a remarkable cover. Another cover that's been swiped and homaged over and over and over again. Classic Dave Cockrum. 
Yep, absolutely. So I am looking for that. Uh, I specifically, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going in guns blazing and looking for a nine point eight. Nine point eights are not cheap. I'm talking probably around three grand at this point from what I've seen. But I think that this is now considered, in my opinion, one of those blue chip books. That uh, given the damage that Fox did to the X-Men brand <laughs> and Phoenix in particular, if the book is still valued around where it is now, uh, I, I really don't see there being much, much uh, chances of it going down anytime soon. So I want that iconic book. I will put it up on the wall, keep my beater in, in with my um, with my run just because yeah. it's not graded. But I'll have that that one on one on the wall. All right. Well, my last picks kind of go together. And, you know, I said that Cap was my favorite, even though I talk a lot about Hercules and Quasar. But I have a combination. I'm looking for Captain America 217 in 9.8 because it's the first appearance of Wendell Vaughn, who later becomes Quasar. So it's Cap and Quasar. How's that? <laughs> now, along with that, I need a I need an Incredible Hulk number 234 in 9.8 because that is when Wendell Vaughn, who was going by the name Marvel Man, snore, changed his name officially to Quasar. These are not super expensive books, but they are hard to find in 9.8. I have been dancing around with raw copies that have come back 9.4, 9.6, you know, where I think they've been super sharp. And I don't know if I got someone on a bad day or I missed something, but I have not been able to secure 9.8s on this. I got an Incredible Hulk 234 a few weeks ago, uh, which I thought was a steal. And the front of it is a 9.8. But then the back had staining all along the back corner. I'm like, oh, great. That's why I got it for a steal. So check the books before you leave the shop, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why. It's such an amateur mistake <laughs> I made. But yeah, I want to I finish up my, my Wendell Vaughn uh, collection there with uh, Cap 217 and Incredible Hulk 234. So we hope you enjoyed a little peek into our personal grails and our personal collections. Let us know uh, what you are looking for in 2021. We really want to know. Let us know if you have any of these books. Hit us up. You know, yeah, please, please. We may, sound, we may sound like two Mr. Moneybags, but we're not. So don't try to gouge us. <laughs> but we're, always up, we're always up for a trade. I mean, you traded for your Fantastic Four number four, didn't you? Sure did. Sure did. You actually facilitated. So, yeah. I'm the facilitator. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking nostalgia. We're talking our childhood. We're talking about the past. That means it's time for the 25 year rule. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you, I'm shocked. You never heard of this book until I brought it up today. No, I have not. I have not. I love the cover for this. Yeah, give me the back. We're talking about Supreme number 41 from Image. Now, I'm talking about a Rob Liefeld creation here. What? That's because this is the first issue where Alan Moore came on board to write this book. Rob must have backed up the Brinks truck. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Just shoveling pounds and pounds and pounds into Alan Moore's bank account to get him to do this. Because uh, it's crazy. He basically tosses everything Rob Liefeld and everyone else that had worked on this book for 40 issues in the garbage can and transforms Supreme, who is just a, an image, dark and gritty riff on Superman, strips all the dark and gritty away and makes it this loving homage to the Silver Age Superman. And 
What's cool about it is it's not hokey. It's not goofy. There is an undercurrent of menace throughout this entire run. And you find out why at the end. I will not spoil it. Let me just tell you, if you love Alan Moore, you will not be disappointed in his run on Supreme. Now, the art. <clears throat> the art is still weak. It's it starts off with Joe Bennett, early Joe Bennett. It gets a little worse with some Norm Rapion kind of image Liefeldian stuff. But then <laughs> it's, really, it's rough. But then Alan must have put his foot down. They get Chris Sprouse on the art, and it's beautiful. It's just clean lines. Anatomy is perfect. Exciting layouts. It's a, it's gorgeous. And it's running till about issue 60, 61. And then Rob's company goes bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know? So then he's got to find a new backer. It comes back for a few issues. Alan Moore, being Alan Moore, had many scripts in the drawer. So the rest of the scripts just kind of dribble out and drips and drabs over the next few years. And then it's over. There is one big arc that happens that luckily gets concluded and you feel a sense of satisfaction. But it's just kind of a lot of a missed opportunity. Yet again, I don't know if it's Rob's fault per se, but something happened to make this run a little truncated. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm excited now. I, I am a huge Alan Moore fan. I separate the man from his art, uh, <laughs> but no, definitely. I, I, this is something that, you know, me, I'm a miracle man fan, swamp thing fan. Um, so I'm definitely interested in picking this up very much like miracle man, except swap out captain Marvel with Superman. Okay. And, uh, this run is iconic and it's very it's it's sadly forgotten because there's lots of complicated rights issues around it. That's why it's Wow, only- with Alan Moore complicated rights issues? I know, right? <laughs> the good news is Rob owns the did own the character Lock, Stock and Barrel. I'm not sure what's happening now because you know he has trouble. He doesn't even own Youngblood anymore. He has Really? All, yeah, he's done all sorts of weird deals where he doesn't own the rights to some of his characters now. As a result, this has only been reprinted once by Checker Press in a trade paperback that is horrible. They literally took the comic books, scanned them low res, and collect. It's awful. You can get this in dollar bins. You can get this in cheapo bins on eBay in lots. Check it out. Uh, There's almost zero GPA data on number 41. A 9.6 sold for 35 bucks in 2018. No one's looking for this book. It's not, you know, uh, I don't want to say it hasn't stood the test of time. Story-wise, it's amazing. It's really good. If you want a a really good read, check out Supreme, starting with issue 41. Excellent pick. All right. Now it's time for our underrated books of the week. Richard, hit it. I yeah, you know, I typically pick older books for the underwrite. Well, not always, but most of the time I'm looking at older books. This one. I am, I've been looking at uh, X-Men from the 80s, particularly Claremont Byrne X-Men. And uh, what came to me was the uh, Days of Future Past arc and how those books are just standout stories from that era. So I stopped and thought, okay, well, what kind of standout stories are from around books in the past few years that in... 20 years from now, 10 years from now, I don't, I'm not going to pick a time period, are going to be the standout books from this era. You know, this is going to be called something. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not always going to be modern. Uh, so I started to think, and I realized that 
the House of X and the Powers of X or Powers of Ten, who don't, I don't know how you're going to pronounce it, uh, are incredible stories to the same level, in my opinion, as those Days of Future Past. And it's just rife with uh, things that can be plucked for future storylines. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the House of X storyline was Jonathan Hickman basically rebooting the X-Men as, uh, as a team. And not only X-Men, but mutants in general. Uh, and to a point that he really just reshaped the definition of X-Men uh, by doing just some simple things. One, uh, making Charles Xavier realize that his concept of cooperation and cohabitation with humans just was not going to work. Magneto was right. Magneto was right. He came to that conclusion. And he came to that conclusion through talking to Moira McTaggart. Now, Moira McTaggart, to me, was always, it was a, a strong character, but it was always a, a character that was more of in a supporting role. Yeah. Um, you know, and she got retconned in this series to being a, a mutant herself whose power was basically reincarnation. She lived multiple lives. And through the, through the process of living those lives, she developed a set of knowledge that she shared with Xavier. And that was the impetus for the things that happened in the books of Power of Ten. Mm. Uh, uh, House of X, whatever however you want to call it. Uh, this called oh, Hox Pox is is the shortened form for the names, but these are really powerful books. They tell they tell us three different stories. Well, really four stories. Uh, they tell the current time. They tell time of ten years in the future, a hundred years in the future, and then a thousand years in the future. And some of the concepts that they come up with to tell those stories are just. They make you step back and go, wow, hmm. someone really thought this through thought this technology through and th things beyond technology, societal um, constructs. And it's just amazing. These stories that are told in this series and at the end, you know, the this, this series uh, comes to a conclusion. I'm not going to share, share the conclusion, but. It lays the foundation for X Men number one, where we, we now we have a whole new a whole new background for the X Men, and a whole new look at their role as um, inhabitants of Earth and beyond. And to me, it's such a pivotal book that you can pick up right now for I don't want to say dirt cheap, but really, really inexpensive. You know, giving where it may be. Uh, in the future, I looked at different different covers for this book. Uh, the, the 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 most valuable, uh, over three hundred dollars right now, is the one in five hundred. Mm. It is ugly. <laughs> it's but ugly. Uh, Mr. Brooks painted it. I, I it's it's just too busy. Uh, it's a part of a series where uh, he tried to put every single mutant on the cover of the book. So it's like it's wow. a multi copy, uh, you know, cover. And so he, they're, they, they're jamming characters into this cover. It is not attractive. Uh, it reaches, it accomplishes its goal, but it's not something that I would collect, for example. Um, instead, I picked a, a book that I do own, which is a, uh, a book from uh, Shannon Mayer. Uh, she, he does an excellent job with basically Emma Frost. And uh, it 
can be picked up for about 60 bucks right now. It's not very expensive. Uh, it's uh, GPA, the 90-day average is about $121 on it. The last sale was 134 So it's, you know, it's, it's around that point. Uh, but I, I could definitely see this whole line in the future when people look back 100 episode, issues of X-Men, for example. This is going to be a story that has set the tone for mutants in general for the Marvel Universe. So I can't see people escaping talking about and collecting this particular book. Yeah, I have not read X-Men since... Uh, the Astonishing X-Men run by Joss Whedon. Uh, so I'm curious because I, my initial reaction when I hear these everything you know is wrong revamps and reboots is leave it alone. But this does intrigue me because I had the same reaction when Grant Morrison came on and changed everything and I loved it. I had the same reaction with the uh, Astonishing X-Men run and I loved it. So I need to get over my initial revulsion at this because i loved supreme and everything we knew was wrong about supreme yep it's it's great the artwork's great uh the one thing that i hate i hate i hate is the iconic um the trade dress that they use the the uh artwork for it is just atrocious i don't know who did it but they just they just got their copy of photoshop <laughs> and um they really need to practice a little bit more before they start putting it on books you are far from alone people have a real problem with that x-men trade dress of so oh, you i've heard that a lot well that is cool and i'm gonna have to dip my toe into the house of x i promise i will because i i do like what i've heard about hickman so i think you'll like it i think you, you, it's one of those books you go in with an open mind because your concepts are going to be changed about what it is to be a mutant and a human uh, in this in this new world i'll do it i'll, I'll give it a shot uh my book is a back to new agents of atlas from earlier in this episode and that is arrow number one now before you groan and toss tomatoes at me let me speak people it is Arrow's first solo book. It also has an appearance from Wave, the Filipina hero that's also an Agents of Atlas. It had a 72,000 print run. It was fairly heavily ordered. There's not a scarcity of this book. It can still be had for cover price. But what's going to happen if these characters take off? You know, these, these spinoff titles, these ancillary titles like Arrow and Swordmaster may see a lot of action, especially since... The reaction to Arrow must have been just horrific because by issue 11, the print run was down to an estimated 5,000. Wow. So those later issues are going to be super scarce. I've been picking them up wherever I see them. I just toss them in a box. We may see the day where people you know, like it's like Adam, the adventures of the blue Marvel, you know, where mm -hmm. a book that nobody ordered and then something happened and it becomes a thousand dollar book. This might happen with Arrow. I will not comment on the uh, quality of the art or story. Let's just say I'm not the biggest fan of overly anime types and Marvel books. You know, I'm. I, I, your mileage may vary. I can't stand Scotty Young. I mean. <laughs> I'm glad you came out and said it. I just can't. That You know, that's overly cartoony. Oh, how cutesy poo art. No, no, ma'am. Pass. Uh, but that's me. I'm a I'm a grumpy old curmudgeon. You're a Kirby man. I'm a Kirby man. You know, I make make it cartoony, but make it squiggly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Your your mileage may vary, but Arrow may be something that pops later. You know, I may end up with uh, egg on my face, but I'm going to put it out there. Uh, stock up a little bit if you got them. 
No, I totally agree. I mean, if 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 uh, we find ourselves in a situation where there are Marvel properties now appearing in the Asian markets where there haven't been, yeah. and these characters are are promoted there, that's a whole market that is going to be starving for content. And they are going to, because of the internet now connects everything together, they're going to have access to these books in the American market. And you know, we may see this exodus of of these titles going to uh, to the Asian market. And people who have been stockpiling these books, you know, may find themselves in a situation that's unenviable. You know, here's a, a whole set of collectors who have nothing, right. and they are looking to fill that void. And here you are sitting with that with that content. So, and Arrow is from Shanghai, and I don't know if you guys have heard, but China's got like a billion people. Uh, so, <laughs> who knows? Uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Thanks always for your comments. Thanks always for your likes. Subscribe if you have not yet. We love all the new people. We we make sure that we say hi to you when you leave us a comment. So please do, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Everyone stay safe.